You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue View Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I have just come back from a week in Europe and London and Paris and coming back to not a lot of football news. I didn't really miss much when I was gone. It seems like it seems like there hasn't really been much happening since I got back. So today we are going to do another mailbag episode because that's the best way to create content at this point. We've been continually getting some good questions sent to us through email and Twitter. So we're going to hit a couple of those and try, just try to get through the dead period with, with some of these questions. So are uh, you ready to hit these, Chris? Yeah. All right. So our first one is from Doug Mullen. His question is, James Betcher's system is referenced as much as Hogmolly's OBJ and Getty's plan on Big Blue View. I know he had two very solid years out of three in Arizona, not sure what changed in 2017. Uh, he's now from a football powerhouse in college, and he was only a linebacker coach in Arizona before he was the DC. It seems like the Giants are putting a ton of faith in a guy without a whole lot to back it up yet. I'm certainly hoping for the best. Uh, but wondering if Betcher will actually earn all this faith being put in him and his vaunted system. So I understand where this question is coming from. First of all, let me correct you. He had three very solid years um, in Arizona. All three of them were as defensive coordinator. In 2015, they were third in defensive DVOA. In 2016, they were third in defensive DVOA. In 2017, they were fourth in defensive DVOA. So that was three top four defenses by defensive DVOA. So I think one of the things that moves it over, and the Giants, of course, were 24th in defensive DVOA last year. And I think one of the things we can see, and we hear a lot of people talk about how you can't build something in a year. And a lot of times that's been talked about the offense and the offensive system and rebuilding the offensive line. But that was mostly true on defense. And we brought this up a lot of the times in our game review episodes where the offense just schematically wasn't working, but defense, it was a lot of personnel. Uh, it was, you know, Curtis Riley being the free safety on almost 100% of the snaps. Um, it was a bad coverage by uh, linebackers. Um, it was corners not always playing up to how they should have played. So I think a lot of that came into personnel. And when you look at what's going on this year, a lot of that personnel on the defensive side has been revamped. There's 
two new safeties, one that's actually going to be a good free safety in Antoine Bethea, someone who has experience in Betcher's system. A lot of young cornerbacks, it's going to be a mix and match in a lot of the edge rush, uh, and that's something Betcher is going to be able to, I think, get the most out of. And if you go back to last week when we talked to Mark Schofield and about some of the differing looks you can have with that type of personnel, yeah, I think it it's, it took a little bit for the Giants to fit the personnel that Betcher can best use. Yeah, definitely. Personally, I think he has already earned that faith here. I really like what he does in his defense. I like how he mixes and matches personnel sets, how he changes up looks, how he disguises his coverages. He goes to great lengths to try to disguise where pressure is going to come from when he does send extra pressure, which compared to how he called a defense in Arizona, he didn't he didn't blitz nearly as much as we expected him to. But hopefully that will actually that that almost has to change this year, not just because of how much the Giants invested in the secondary, but because of how little they have in their front seven when it comes to proven pass rushers. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot put on the young secondary, but last year the Giants just didn't have really anyone in the secondary or enough in the secondary for the Giants to feel comfortable sending as many players as they probably wanted to because that was going to get exposed. And we talked a lot about the pass rush and the secondary and the dynamic that had last year where the pass rush was even getting home even when they weren't blitzing, but the coverage just wasn't good enough. So now you take one person out of coverage, add that to the pass rush, that could potentially open up even more holes in the secondary. And I don't think the Giants felt comfortable risking that last year. They might this year. So I think we're going to see Betcher be able to play around a, a little more and whether that has an immediate impact in 2019 or if it's slowly building to what could possibly happen in 2020 with a, a f- really a full year with a lot of these younger players in this system whether this is more of a 2020 thing that's totally possible but I, I absolutely think of all the things that that should be bet on I would feel the best about what Betcher could bring now that there's some more players that he could potentially use yeah I definitely agree I will say my one fear about just with the defense this year is that they haven't done enough for the pass rush itself because blitzing is all well and good but at at some point you do need a pass rusher who can just scare defenses who can beat blockers and can disrupt in the backfield at arizona betcher had chandler jones and calais campbell those guys are just wrecking balls and when you have guys that command that kind of attention it it makes it easier to blitz you're going to put that much more pressure on the opposing offense, which takes pressure off the secondary. So I am a little concerned that the Giants just haven't built their pass rush up enough, their front seven pass rush up enough. And if the defense if the defense doesn't perform because of that and after all the resources they've invested in it, I do worry that they could make a change at defensive coordinator just based on how especially Dave Gettleman, 
responded at the end of the season, basically blaming a lot of the Giants' record on the defense. Yeah, that was certainly a concern at the end of the season, and that was definitely looked to be a part of uh, the scapegoat of what happened. And and obviously, the defense was not good, but there were circumstances of why the defense was not good, and I don't think that was better. I think the scheme had much more to do with the offensive failure than the scheme did for the defensive failures. I think a lot of the defense was personnel, and they did a lot to change that whether they did enough to change it and did the right things to change it we will see uh, but I think this has the the potential to be a much better James Betcher defense in 2019 so let's move on to the next question uh, which is from Rick Boswick and it's just about Eric Dungy uh, does he have a chance to make the roster uh, I think we we mentioned him in our last mailbag when we were asked who is the undrafted free agent with a good shot of making the roster. I brought off Dungy just because of the amount of effort the Giants made to bring him in. He got a personal call from Pat Shermer. And sometimes, you know, when you're just kind of picking between two guys, that's something that matters. But Dungy has not done any work. Uh, he was off to the side uh, during most of the minicamp and the OTAs after. Uh, so I would say he's a little behind. He, I mean, he does have the the possibility of you know contributing as maybe a backup quarterback. I know they want to move him to tight end. So there's, of course, the Taysom Hill role that's going to be brought up with him. Whether that's actually an effective role to have on a football team or not is debatable. Maybe it's better when you're taking a quarterback like Eli Manning off the field rather than taking a quarterback like Drew Brees off the field like the Saints were last year. So it's debatable, but I think right now he's probably a little behind the eight ball just because he hasn't been on the practice field for the past couple of organized practices. I think more than anything, Dungy is intriguing right now just because you know, quarterback tight end is a little bit of a weird designation for a player i think he definitely intrigues the giants his just a his ability to make plays because he was a very good playmaker at syracuse yeah he had actually he was actually the school's all-time leader in 300 yard passing games but he is probably not an nfl caliber passer so i'm not sure he would make the team just as a backup quarterback like say Kyle Lawletta did last year or uh, Ryan Nassib did in years past. But I think maybe as a gadget player, I think that does at least intrigue the Giants. And it would be interesting to see if they have any packages for him that we might get to see in preseason or in training camp. Yeah, that's probably going to be what really tips off what they're expecting of him and what they have him. Uh, if, yeah, if there are packages, maybe on, say, third down, maybe in the red zone. This is something uh, we talked about way, way back with the possibility of the Giants drafting Lamar Jackson. They could start getting him on the field in the red zone. We brought that up with Kyler Murray even this past offseason. That's a place where that can work. You have a dynamic quarterback like that. Uh, who can shift. The problem is if you know you keep 
the actual quarterback on the field, and if in this case, if that's Eli Manning, obviously if you put Eli Manning out wide, you're basically saying don't pay attention to this uh, because Eli Manning is not running any routes like into the end zone. Although, just as an aside, I, before Eli retires, I want to see that. I want to see him make a reception just once because I feel like it would actually be an effective play because no DB in the NFL would be able to believe his eyes that Eli Manning was running a route and catching a ball. Well, they'd probably have a lot of time to adjust their eyes because that route would not be run very quickly. But yeah, so we'll see. I think training camp is probably going to be the big factor there. If there's some packages for Dungy that's getting him on the field and he's not just, you know, a number four tight end, if they want to get him the ball, either with some draws or or things like that, or just some play action passes, some options, that that's possible. If, if they're making the effort to get him packages, then yeah, he has a pretty good chance to make the team. If they don't, and they're just going to kind of put him off to the side, then no, he probably is not a better quarterback than, you know, Alex Tanny or Loletta, and he's not going to be a better tight end than, let's say, Scott Simonson or even CJ Conrad, who we didn't bring up on the last show, who we probably should have as an undrafted free agent who has the chance to make the team. Yeah, I believe I saw that uh, Conrad actually got snaps with the starters in the last round of OTAs. Now, part of that probably has to do with Evan Ingram having to deal with a hamstring ding and just it's it's OTAs. But still, it that's a player to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And and if they're going to go with the tight end option, I think if someone like CJ Conrad is actually showing he has the ability to play the tight end at at least a, a level high enough to make the roster, that will also severely cut down on Dungy's chances of making the team. Uh, so let's move on. We have another question of just someone what their chances of making the 53 are and that is Paul Perkins. Uh, someone just asking does Paul Perkins have a chance to make the 53 man roster? Um and I'd say sure. I think there's a, a bit of a jumble at running back right now. Obviously Saquon Barkley is going to be the number one and then you wonder what's going to be behind him. Obviously, Wayne Gallman did a decent job there last year. The Giants went and got Rod Smith, the former Cowboy, uh, who is just a large man. He's like <laughs> 6'3", 245. I actually like Rod Smith a lot. I always thought the Cowboys probably should have used him a little more. So I could see maybe Rod Smith making the roster and maybe instead of Elijah Petty as a fullback and you have maybe Rod Smith who can play that, that dual role and also be more effective when handed the ball. Um, I know I did not enjoy when Elijah Penny was uh, getting handoffs last year, especially when they were on like second down. There were a couple times the Giants did that and he's just, he's just not a runner. So maybe if you can get in someone like Rod Smith who has the ability to run and block as, as a bigger running back, you can have that and then you kind of open it up after that. So maybe the Giants could have four running backs on the roster if you have Barkley, a Smith, Gallman, and Perkins. And remember, Perkins was, was not bad. I think a lot of people have been talking about how the offensive line has been ruining the offense like last year. But Paul Perkins, uh, when he was uh, going in in 2017, like he was getting hit eight yards behind the line of scrimmage too. So 
I don't think he was as bad as some Giants fans now like have the memory of him being. I know at the I think the end of the 2016 season, the one game he got the start against Washington, he had a really good game. I think he has that potential. Um, he has the ability to catch the ball. I think he has a pretty good jump step that allows missed tackles. So I, I think he has a chance to make the roster. I think it depends on how they want to shape that running back room and and whether they want more players like Perkins or so, or if they want to get, you know, Penny and Smith there, then Perkins probably isn't going to make the roster. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been a fan of Paul Perkins for a while, so I really hope he makes the roster. Just for me, he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the people who, who listen to this podcast back during our draft prep know that one of the things, or two of the things I value most highly at the running back position are vision and contact balance. And Paul Perkins has both of those. He, he's got plenty of both of those. I still remember uh, before the 2016 draft watching Perkins at UCLA and just trying to figure out, watching and rewatching plays, trying to figure out how he would get from point A to point B when there was seemingly no gap. So I think he still has that ability. There, There's no reason why a torn peck would take that away and that's also an ability that saquon barkley shares and that was really the reason for a lot of his success last year that and of course his ability to just be an explosive athlete in space which neither perkins nor gallman share but just that ability to make defenders miss and give themselves a chance to make something happen I think Perkins does have a chance to impress the coaches and open up some eyes. Now, the fact that he is most definitely not one of Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman's guys, that counts against him probably, or at the very least, it does not help him. But I think he does have the chance to to make a case for himself this summer. Yeah, I think so. And so if he does make the roster... This is kind of just trivia, but I want the Giants to make an effort to get Paul Perkins a rushing touchdown. Paul Perkins has 153 career carries with zero touchdowns. That is the active leader for carries without a rushing touchdown. And if we go back, he's the only player right now with 100 carries without a rushing touchdown. So if we go back to, let me take this down to 53 right now, or let me set the limit at 50 right now. And now we have uh, Jeff Wilson is behind him in, uh, who's a rookie for San Francisco last year, is second on this leaderboard with 66. Then Traveris Cadet, who... I guess played in 2018. I was not aware of that. Um, He's 60. Kenneth Farrow, who hasn't played since 2016, still considered active, has 60. Um, Randall Cobb here is is down here with 59 attempts uh, with zero rushing touchdowns. And then Jalen Samuels, who was a rookie for Pittsburgh in 2018, had 56 attempts with zero touchdowns. So Paul Perkins has 153 rushing attempts with no touchdowns. So if he makes the roster... Just let him get a touchdown. And I, kind of also a fun fact on this, because it's something I 
I started tracking a while ago for a different project, and Wayne Gallman was the active leader for this for a while until he scored at the end of the year last year. So now uh, Paul Perkins is there. So Paul Perkins, 153 attempts, no rushing touchdowns, the active leader. So uh, get Paul Perkins a rushing touchdown in the regular season if it's if it doesn't take away from what the team is really trying to accomplish but that is a complete tangent so let's get back to more questions next question from ct scan one two three trey boston why is he still a free agent we don't know (laughs) yeah that's an excellent question Uh, if you guys listen to our free agency podcast or even the podcast during the the beginning of the season we were just talking about safeties trey boston came up a lot so he is still a good young free safety who in his previous stops and and he played in arizona last year uh he played with the chargers in 2017 and then with carolina from 2014 to 2016 he is someone who has the ability to play that middle of the field uh center field safety who can cover from sideline to sideline there there are not a lot of those players in the nfl and he's only going to be he's going to turn 27 on june 25th um, so he's still fairly young. You know, maybe he's looking for a long-term deal that really isn't there. But I, I'm not sure why that deal isn't there. It, it should be. Um, he is the type of safety that the uh, teams should want to put in the back part of their defense because then you don't really have to worry about anything behind him. He's someone who can cover from sideline to sideline. He has that type of range. Uh, he has shown that. He showed that with the Chargers in 2017. He was the deep safety in 2018 last year. I- I'm not sure, and I think it would be interesting if the Giants even still brought him in because then you could have the the defensive backfield that Arizona had last year where Boston was the free deep safety. You had Antoine Bethea who moved up to the line a little more and played the more traditional strong safety in that box. Then maybe you can move Jabril Peppers around a little more, have him maybe play that money backer and actually maybe actually a linebacker potentially more. And then I think you, you've you upgraded three positions there. I think you've upgraded at free safety. You've upgraded at that box safety, where I think Bethea is probably a little better than Peppers. And then you've probably upgraded at one of those inside linebacker positions if you put potentially Peppers next to Alec Ogletree and you have those guys. So now you have more speed, you have more coverage ability, you probably have better tackling ability. So I'm still going to say Trey Boston would be an ideal addition for the Giants. And I think he should be an ideal addition for any NFL team, especially in the middle of June. You're not going to get a much better player than Trey Boston falling into your lap at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point where you have to wonder if there's just something going on behind the scenes. But we don't know anything about that, so can't say there is. And we do know that Boston was drafted by Dave Gettleman and was actually Dave Gettleman's wife's favorite player right before Gettleman cut him. But the last two years, he's been productive. Eight interceptions, 17 passes defensed, 158 tackles between Los Angeles and Arizona. For a free safety, you really can't ask for much more than that. At least not realistically, you know, maybe if you want Earl Thomas, but yeah, you know, there's really only one Earl Thomas out there. 
So, yeah, that he would be a fantastic addition. And at this point, probably not terribly expensive. So even though the Giants only have $5 million left under the cap, which is about where teams want to be for just rainy day purposes, he could probably be signed for, even if you did sign him for a two or three year contract, it wouldn't sink your cap room. No, it wouldn't. And it's not like he's he's an older guy. He's only going to turn 27. So I think he still has a lot of good football left in him. And he's been very good over the past a couple seasons. So I, I'm still not sure why he is a free agent, especially now that any compensatory picks aren't latched onto free agents anymore. That deadline has passed. So anyone you sign from this point forward, no matter how big the contract is, is not going to count against the the compensatory uh, valuations. So he's just sitting out there and maybe he's waiting for the right team. Maybe he's waiting for the right deal. Uh, I don't know, but I know he is a very good player. I think he would still fit with the Giants and he would fit with just about any team. So I, th- I really think that that Boston should be signed soon. And maybe he's going to wait till training camp, maybe wait for an injury or something. Uh, but we'll see. But I think he, he should have been signed by now. And he probably should have been a priority free agent uh, during during the start of free agency. Yeah, he, this will probably be, probably be a case where he'll wind up on a team like the Patriots. And we'll all be sitting around wondering, how in the hell was this guy still available? How could... 31 other teams let this happen. Yeah, it's interesting. And when you maybe think about like last offseason when it seemed like the NFL was devaluing safeties and that whole safety market was was very strange. Uh, but then you look at uh, last year and you look at what's going to happen in 2019 uh, per over the cap. No team is going to be spending more money on the cap on safeties than the Patriots. So obviously that is a position they value uh, quite a bit. I mean, then you see the Eagles and Ravens are also up there, two teams that also kind of, you know, know what they're doing by by positional value. So we'll, we'll wait to see what happens there. Uh, so we have one last question, and this is uh, from Gene Kramer. And this is, is there any stat of how much of Odell Beckham Jr.'s production came in garbage time? So this is, uh, I'm going to admit a a weird question to ask, but I think when I looked into it, it it became a very interesting answer. So I looked up just production in the fourth quarter when teams were down by 10 or more points. The Giants found themselves in that position quite a bit last year. Maybe surprisingly, maybe not, Saquon Barkley led all NFL players in targets in that situation. He had 26 targets in the fourth quarter with the Giants down by 10 or more points. He had, per Sports Info Solutions, negative 6.2 expected points added and a positive play percentage of 50%. So Odell Beckham then was 11th with 19 targets, 11.4 expected points added and a 63% positive play percentage. So that would say Odell Beckham did have a decent amount of production when the Giants were down. But when you're throwing, the defense now knows you're throwing for him to still be good there uh, is is a good thing. I don't think that reflects poorly on Odell Beckham that he performed. And it was only 19 targets. He had 126 targets last year. So it's not like 
half of his production was was coming in garbage time. That's just not true. This is a very small amount, and he was still very good. And then you go down the list there, 20th in targets was Evan Ingram with 15, and negative 0.4 expected points added, a 40% positive play rate. And 22nd in targets was Sterling Shepard also with 15, a negative 1 EPA with a positive play rate of 46%. Uh, So you see four giants in the top 22 uh, so they were uh, passing very often when down which is what teams do it's where a lot of their passing attempts came from um mostly because they were running early in the game and they were forced to pass late but for odell beckham to have production there i don't think reflects poorly on him i think that reflects really well on him and the fact that saquon barkley had the most targets and such a poor epa kind of shows that the giants were still doing a very inefficient a type of offense even trying to catch up in the fourth quarter and that is something that probably needs to change uh going forward yeah and i'll just say going back a couple years back into the McAdoo era it did seem like the Giants tended to forget that Odell existed at the end of games especially the end of close games yeah that that game where he hit the fan with his helmet against Washington that was at the end of a game in which the Giants were driving to win and never looked his way so it's kind of amazing to me that they could forget about a player who is actually that effective in those situations and even missing four games that he would only have 19 targets in those situations last year. Yeah, and if you put some of this into perspective, only Devontae Adams had more expected points added in this situation uh, than Odell Beckham did. Um, Both of those guys are very good wide receivers. You look at behind them was Larry Fitzgerald, who uh, the Cardinals were uh, also trailing a whole lot. So you don't place that blame on Larry Fitzgerald. You blame it on the Cardinals and their offense. The same thing with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was fourth in expected points added uh, in the fourth quarter down by 10 or more. You wouldn't say Adam Thielen was getting all of his production in garbage time. So and so to, to perform well there, I think you still need to be a good wide receiver. And that kind of shows. So hopefully for the Giants, case they're not in that situation as often as they were last year and hopefully if they are they find a way to be more productive than continually doing the dump offs to Saquon Barkley which they clearly did while he led the league in targets in that situation so so you would like to see maybe a little more creativity as the Giants are trying to catch up in the fourth quarter and again if things go as planned they're not going to have to be in the fourth quarter down by 10 or more as often as they were. But if that is the case, hopefully they, they change it up just a little bit. Yeah, yeah that, that's something we've both talked about really quite a few times this offseason is just the Giants do have do still have some talented players on offense. They just need to use them a bit better. 
yeah, and and we'll we'll see how that goes. We have now training camp in in a couple of weeks. The Giants just released their training camp schedule. Um, it's going to start at the end of July, so we have about a month until that happens. We'll see what it looks like there. But also last year we saw a lot of cool things in training camp. We saw Saquon Barkley being moved around the formation. We saw Evan Ingram being used really well, and then it got to the regular season, and that didn't really happen. So hopefully for the Giants, if it gets shown in training camp this year, it's going to translate to the regular season. And that's the hope and and that everything is just kind of going to come together. And, and if that's the case, then, then the Giants should probably be a slightly better offense than they were last year. So that is our last question. We're going to end this episode here. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews. They've been coming in. They've they've been helping. So if you like this podcast, please leave a positive rating, five-star review. Those would be great. You can read our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. You follow Big Blue View on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.